0: with dance and stuff what's happening with dance and things what's going on what's happening what's going on with dance and stuff hello um what is it it's December 2nd it's 10 p.m. um the podcast will be up online by 3 a.m. five hours um it's been a busy time I think last we spoke I was at my mom's Thanksgiving and now I'm in my apartment and similarly I don't have a guest nor do I have a plan Um, but I will spend a little bit of time to tell you about what's been on my mind and also some things I've seen. Now, I'm not sure if I'm at liberty to talk about one of the things that I've seen, which is a West Side Story. I saw a screening of it for kind of people um, connected to the New York City Ballet. Um, So I guess I'll wait. It's December 2nd today. The movie comes out on the 10th. So I will... I guess I can talk about it for next week because it'll be the 10th, it'll be the day of the premiere, and so I'll just discuss it. Yeah, there we have it. And next week, maybe I'll also be with Russell talking about um, Feelings or Facts, the Yvonne Rayner book, um, which I hope you're all reading. I hope you're all reading first hundred pages next week. And, you know, of course, no promises if it's not next week, hopefully the week after, but... You know, it's birthday season for me and many others. Maggie Clouds approaches, Jason Collins, Stuart Singer, Pam Tadowitz, Georgina Pascogin. It's truly Sagittarius and Capricorn birthday season. And right after us, Lindsay Clark, a January Capricorn. And you know, I don't know anything about astrology, but um, I feel proud when I know somebody's sign. I don't think I even know what Harriet's sign is is that okay to say spend every day with her don't know her sign we've been doing a lot of laughing lately um I told Harriet the story um that uh, from the summer I was at Aunt Jane's house and her she has someone who comes and helps with the garden when there's sort of heavy lifting to do and she asked him to come over and help with something while I was there during pandemic Sorry, I was scratching my ear. And he didn't show up. And um, my Aunt Jane called him up later and said, you know, where were you? We we had a plan for today. And he was like, I forgot. <laughs> Which is iconic, right? And um, I hope that for all of us, we can find the courage to just say, I forgot. And, um, this is a story, um, that now 25 years later, I feel it's okay to tell. When I was at, I mean, it's related to what I've just been talking about, but when I was at Interlochen Arts Academy, I was a voice major when I first arrived there. I mean, through, through all, through my senior year even, but when I was a freshman, I was fresh out of boy choir school and, um... I was hired during my freshman year at Interlochen to fly down to Atlanta and sing in uh, Mendelssohn's Elijah. There's a small part for a boy soprano called The Youth. And I guess they didn't have any local talent that they wanted to use for this particular set of performances because they were also recording it with, I believe, EMI Angel, but uh, that's wrong. American Boy Choir School had a recording contract with EMI Angel. I'm not sure who the publishing company was or the um, record label. Anyways, Atlanta Symphony and the Atlanta Symphony Chorale under the direction of Robert Shaw, the late Robert Shaw, with an illustrious group of soloists. Which, of course, at the time, as a thirteen-year-old boy soprano, I didn't. I knew not one. It was Thomas Hampson jerry hadley barbara bonnie florence quivar thomas paul um i can't remember who else anyways opera stars quite frankly and then little me no idea what's going on i learned i was i was coached in the part by byron hansen who was then the director of the music department at Interlochen arts academy my voice teachers drove me to the airport and then I was sent to Atlanta where I was met on the opposite end by someone I would be staying with, probably a patron of the symphony. They took me to a science museum. I had rehearsals with Robert Shaw and sang concerts and then um, spent an afternoon recording my part in Atlanta Symphony Hall. And then I I went back to high school. Um, but anyways... It became, I guess, it was known through the music department that I had done this because at the time, Robert Shaw was quite a famous conductor in the Atlanta Symphony, an important symphony. And I think it was my sophomore or junior, maybe junior year. um, I was still singing in a soprano register, though as a countertenor, realistically. And the head, or the, the person who was the conductor of the Traverse City Symphony, which is the local city, and also the viola teacher and conductor of the string orchestra at Interlochen Arts Academy, David Holland, who also happened to be the father of one of my very good friends, Jennifer Holland, who was in my class at Interlochen. She was a viola player. He asked me, he asked that I sing the part that I knew because he was mounting Elijah with the Traverse City Symphony. So I thought, oh, that's fine. I mean I was gonna say no to a teacher at Interlock In. So I um was told uh the dates of the performance, et cetera, and the piece would be performed on our campus, so it wasn't like I had to go off campus for rehearsals or performance or anything. And um he said, I'm so sorry this story is so long, but look, I don't have anything else to talk about. So he was like, you know, I'm only I'm only gonna have two rehearsals with you One of them is going to be a a studio rehearsal with piano for soloists, and then you'll do a dress rehearsal with the orchestra, and then you'll do the show. My part is very small and didn't require a ton of prep. I already knew it. And so he was like, this Saturday afternoon or was Sunday afternoon, I don't recall, we're going to have rehearsal in, you know, Fine Arts Building or something um which was at the time a strange space where they would have um choir rehearsal and like jazz ensemble rehearsal as well as uh we would have like student kind of events in there like coffee house or small dances anyways the afternoon of the rehearsal i didn't go and i i think on that particular afternoon, I I was spending time with friends, and the only true story that I could have told was that I forgot, because I, I forgot. And instead, what I did is I panicked. I called David Holland's house, because I knew I was already too late for the rehearsal to even attempt attending it, and I told his wife that I had his wife, Joan Holland, who is the harp teacher, I said, I'm so sorry, please tell Mr. Holland that I took a nap and neglected to set my alarm and I slept through the rehearsal. Oh my God. The next day I ran into David Holland in the cafeteria and he was very displeased with me. I mean, to this day, like, I shudder thinking of um, the kind of reaction that I got from him that afternoon in the cafeteria. Wow. Some of the most profound guilt I've ever felt. And I don't even remember what he said to me. It was just in his demeanor and his disappointment, his sort of palpable disappointment that I thought, oh, wow. And, and you know, I I feel like at the time he was like, I was treating you as if you were going to behave like an adult soloist who's had a professional career, and here you are, fucking up, forgetting to come to the only rehearsal with the other soloists. And he was right. He was right to be super disappointed in me. But at any rate, I had a small makeup rehearsal in the theater um, just to make sure everything was in order. Um... I think everything was more or less in order. I can't recall if I got some kind of, like, intonation correction or maybe they wanted me to enunciate more clearly. I don't remember. I didn't remember. I mean, when I listened to the recording of myself singing the part of the youth with the Atlanta Symphony, I can't understand a word. Not a single word I'm saying. And also, like, I'm giving a very kind of meek performance. And I think I was singing in a way that I... I definitely wasn't when I was in the end of my time at the American Boy Choir School, which was with a lot of confidence and volume. Um, I think I I just wasn't surrounded by the support system that I needed in Atlanta to feel not scared. And so, you know, I felt very much on my own um, singing that part with the symphony. And they had me, um, the way they staged it was they had me in a balcony or like a side box at the theater to sing my part down to Thomas Hampson as he called to me. Um. Anyway, it's not my finest work. If you do listen to the recording, um, please forgive me. It's a truly nothing of a performance, and I'm so sorry. But I do highly recommend listening closely to all of the sections with Barbara Bonney, who plays a soprano in the in the oratorio. She sings so beautifully. Um, through the whole thing. What have I to do with thee, O Lamb of God? Um, man of God, O oh man of God, art thou come to me to call my sins unto remembrance. Dost thou come here to slay my son? Um, It's really good. She does a tremendous job. And the Den er hat seinen the for he shall give his angels for he shall give his angels, send his angels. Um, it's an, I believe it's an octet, a double quartet. And we used to sing it at boy choir school, but then I learned while I was in Atlanta that it was indeed a double quartet um from Mendelssohn's Elijah, but sung in English in this particular version. Anyways, that's my Elijah story. And all of this just related to, I forgot, I forgot. Um, if only I had just said I forgot. It just didn't seem reasonable at the time. I don't think I could have done that. Anyways, this week I've done some, I've been a viewer of things. I came home from uh, Thanksgiving and I went to a an exhibition at the Swiss Institute that Saturday of... I believe her name is Rosemary Meyer, with an A M Mayer, Mayer, Mayer. And um, she's an American artist who who died in 2014, who does really beautiful um, sculptures with textiles, as well as drawings and paintings that are often kind of textile related. Um, And it's free to go into the Swiss Institute. So if any of you, if anyone's around New York or walking through the East Village, please stop by the Swiss Institute and go see the Rosemary Meyer show. Um, That was a recommendation of Nick Mouse. Thank you, Nick. I still love to email you about that. Um, Then on Sunday, I went to see the movie Come On, Come On at BAM with John Hubiar, and John works at BAM now and um, just walked us right in with his ID, just walked us right into the movie theater, freezing cold night, walked us in. Come on, come on is a movie. I can't. I don't know who the director is. I should look that up. But with Joaquin Phoenix, and a very good child actor and Gabby Hoffman, and it is a wonderful film. It's 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 shot beautifully in black and white with gorgeous, sweeping camera shots of the Lower East Side and Los Angeles downtown and New Orleans and it's just so beautiful and so sad and so wonderful and it's a reflection on raising growing up and raising children and you know and also siblinghood and I won't give it away because I would actually like you to go see it um please go see it have tissues on hand and then as I told you I saw West Side Story and Harriet and Pam and Pam's sister and I all got to sit together and Pam's sister was sitting next to Tony Kushner who wrote the script. And Justin made a speech. He'd, he'd been at the premiere the night before so he didn't stay to watch the film but he made a speech to the New York City Ballet family and we watched the movie and it was so fun and I won't give you any details because it's not yet prevailed. And then last night, Wednesday night, I went to see Dune finally in a movie theater on 34th Street with Zach. And the screen was big, but not like as big as I would have liked. I wanted IMAX, but it was no longer an IMAX. So we went to a regular movie theater and we sat close so it could feel like IMAX. Because I wanted a full like visual audio experience which this movie really is. I mean this movie is I hate to say this because it diminishes it and and it doesn't really deserve this, but there are, you know there's elements of it that feel a bit like a uh, like a an exo- exotic cologne ad or something. You know, it's like extremely visual and evocative. Um, and sometimes you almost wish it was a little bit more explanatory, so because you'd be like, "What's happening here?" But it's often it's like far, far greater work of art than a, a cologne ad. Though look, maybe there's some incredible perfume commercials. Remember the horse with the guy and the Stetson cologne in Central Park remember Charlize Theron coming out of the water and then being in that golden dress walking down the marble hallway at any rate Dune wow what a movie what a movie epic in its scale absolutely mind-boggling art direction costumes set design vehicle design spacecraft design I mean the design it's just it's a design movie and also a cinematography movie and a special effects movie and an acting movie. I mean Rebecca Ferguson who even is Rebecca Ferguson? What a performance. And just like the beauty of Timothy Chalamet and the intensity of his he's just, he's a good actor. And also he looks how he looks. So movie star. Which is also I don't feel I'm giving anything away by saying that Ansel Elgort is He's I don't even know how to explain this. He's a movie star and it, in part, maybe in large part, because of how his face is and the way that light and the camera take him in. It is not to be believed. I couldn't believe being that close to his face. I can't believe that. And he does a beautiful job. He does I won't say anything more. Anything. Anyways. Dune, 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 Dune. Um, Oscar Isaac, wonderful. Josh Brolin, we don't see too much of him, but good job. I have a feeling he might be back for the second movie because I didn't actually see him slain. Um, Jason Momoa, we did see him slain. Oh, spoiler alert, by the way. Um, Oscar Isaac slain. Um, that beautiful ecologist in the movie, slain, um, and basically thousands of other people, but we don't get to know them very well. Um, Stellan Star Skarsgård, Stellan, Peter Sarsgård, Stellan Skarsgård, Skarsgård. Um, terrifying performance. I'm very curious to see the, how they did the makeup. And the fat suit and everything. Maybe I'll go on um, YouTube after this to get a glimpse. Um, Wow. What a film. What a film. People kept complaining. Where's Zendaya? Where's Zendaya? Zendaya's in the ad. She's not in the movie. She's in the movie. She's peppered throughout. And you get a big chunk of her for the last, you know, 10 to 15 minutes. So, look. She's going to be in the next one. Obviously. The movie... It's in such a way we are literally walking towards the sequel. I was ready to stay in my seat and just keep going after three hours of movie, though I had had a small nap in the middle. I'm not going to lie. I, 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 I arose before the, um, before the royal family went to sleep and the um, the planet was attacked by the scary people. Anyways, go see Dune. If you haven't seen Dune and you decided to watch it on TV, you're crazy. Go to a movie theater. Experience Dune. Immerse yourself in the sound and the light and the sand. Oh, it's wonderful. Oh, there's a scene with a little mouse. You're going to love it. You're going to love that moment. What else happened this week? We had a meeting at New York City Ballet to do some early stages planning for Justin Peck's new ballet in January. We've had several, what day is it? It's Thursday, Monday, Tuesday. No, it's, it's Thursday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Um, gosh. Anyways, we've been busy. We've been busy. And I don't know that I've done much else, I watched the latest Succession, which I'm now finding tedious. Really looking forward to um, the new Pen 15 coming out on December 5th, I believe. Um, Oh, I'm watching The Great. Somebody, Jill, a friend of my my mom's, reminded me of The Great with Al Fanning and Nicholas Holtz, but. That show's also a bit tedious at the moment. The first season was so good because it really like went a lot of places. And now we're just sort of stuck in this, like nobody respects Catherine the Great. Anyways. I think I don't have too much else to say. And I'm tired. I'm gonna get to have dinner next week with Sam Reck and Kim Brant, which is a thrill. Um We haven't done that in ages. I feel like I have this weird memory of eating in a diner with the two of them. Well, they'll let me know whether or not that's true or it's a vision, like one of Timothy Chalamet's visions. Visions of Zendaya. I'd love to sit down with a Dune historian and have them really explain it all to me. House Atreides! House Atreides! They get good clothes at House Atreides. Um... I only had misgivings about two outfits. One of which was this like strange sort of built up collar, white printed blouse that Rebecca Ferguson was wearing at one point under her jacket that I thought, what's that It was satin and the collar was like not sitting well and maybe intentionally so because everything else looked so intentional. And then the other look was like, there's a scene where house Atreides is walking across the desert being seen for the first time. And Rebecca Ferguson has this amazing kind of rust colored chiffon streaming off her head and then one of her like veil carriers like side women is wearing like a hot topic outfit in like rust colored satin that does that looks poorly made I didn't I didn't care for that and luckily I only caught just a briefest of glimpses of it briefest of glimpses of it On Friday last week, after we spoke, I made a delicious chicken soup, the one I've described, and I made the chocolate pudding pie. Oh, I think I told you I was going to let you know that my pumpkin pie crust was a failure. And I'd made the, the pastry simultaneous to a second batch of the pastry, which I just kept in the freezer until Friday when I rolled it out into yet another blind baked crust that I was making chocolate pudding pie bon appetit recipe in. And, you know, I just handled it a bit less. I did less um, pushing it into the edges of the dish, which had come as a recommendation via one of Claire's videos. So I mean, Claire, you're generally faultless (coughs) in your recipes and techniques, but This time, I have to say, the video was misleading. And the next day, I just rolled out the dough as I normally would. I handled it minimally, got it into the dish quickly, got it chilled in the freezer, blind baked it. It did a little bit more slumping than the pumpkin pie one did because I didn't work it as much, but a far superior bake to the pumpkin pie. It was, like, not cardboardy. It was flaky. It was buttery. It was crisp. It was great. So... Claire's pie pastry recipe is a good recipe after all. It's just, it's in the execution of rolling it out. They have to be careful to not overhandle it. Delicious pie, by the way, the chocolate pudding pie, with a just salty, kind of salty whipped cream that is just ever so slightly set with a teaspoon of gelatin. What a pie. And my sister-in-law, Maria, loved it, as did my brother, And, um, it's always nice to prepare a dessert that's a hit and it was a hit. So that was great. And my nephews put on a show for us that night, which was wonderful. They played us music. Attention, DJ Henry in the house. We got a lot of that. Um, I hope you're well. What are you doing? How's it going? I know someone just, um, sent a message asking for a, um, a book, some book recommendations. So here we go. I'll recommend a few dance-related books. I think that starting, well, look, if you're interested in history and a history of like, oh, this is hard. Suddenly I'm, I'm, I'm at odds. If you want to read a long history of ballet, that's very thorough. Read Apollo's Angels. Jennifer Homans does a very thorough job in explaining the origins of ballet and how it came to be what it is today. If you want to read, um, if you want really interesting insight into Cunningham and that universe of American modern dance, read Carolyn Brown's book. What is it called? Carolyn Brown. I can't remember the title. And it doesn't matter. Just look up Carolyn Brown memoir, Cunningham. It'll come right up. A f- excellent book. Very, it's long and dense and it's wonderful. And you get the most wonderful insights into just a really extraordinarily extraordinary life in dance at an extraordinary time because not only was she Merce's muse for a period of time, but she was also sought after by Anthony Tudor. So you you have insights into the beginnings of Juilliard, and just this kind of incredible time in American modern dance. Um, what is that book called? Carolyn Brown. And if you want something a bit salacious and fun, read Dancing on My Grave, Gelsey's memoir. It's a wonderful book. Um, mum, 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 There's a newer memoir or newer biography of Catherine Dunham by Jacqueline Shay Murphy. Jacqueline Shay Murphy, I think that's their name. Um, which is a wonderful book and a and a very easy read, and I highly recommend reading that book if you want to know about one of the most kind of under. How do I say this? Probably the most, one of the most important dance makers of the 20th century that many people in dance do not really know about, or if they know about Catherine Dunham, they don't understand the scope of her accomplishments. So look up that book. There are actually a, a few or several biographies of Catherine Dunham, but this one is. Um, the most recent and it's very good. Um let's see. Let's uh, see dance books. You know, I I read all of the like um kind of Balanchine ballerina memoirs like Suzanne's and Allegra's and Merrill's um If you get into that universe, read all of them. They're great. They're fun. Um, Watch the documentary Elusive Muse, one of the greatest dance documentaries. It's a fascinating story. Um, What other dance books? Martha Graham's Blood Memory. I've never read it, but obviously Jack would be horrified if I didn't say as much, um, struggling, struggling here. Dance, 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 Robert Greskovic has a a great book that lays out, um, uh, all the kind of plots and histories of of many many different ballets um from what i can't i don't know what the earliest ballet would be that robert talks about but maybe it's definitely 19th century ballets on into the 20th century i think it's called ballet 101 is that true i have it i can just find out oh boy where are my books is that book? Maybe it's over here. I'm walking around. Bear with me here. Think through the books. Maybe I lent it to somebody. Well, that's too bad because if I did, it's gone because I obviously will never remember who I lent it to. Ugh, I feel so stupid. How do I lose my books? And this is a good, important one. I mean, I'm sure I can get another copy of it. Uh. 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 Where is it? Oh, I'm here. It's Ballet 101. It was up top. So sorry, everybody. Um, Here also right next to it is Mark Morris's Out Loud, the Mark Morris memoir, which I enjoyed, but I do think it should be read as a companion to Isaac Mizrahi's memoir, which they came out, I think, within a year of each other's. And are, um, you know, they share a certain parts of their history and um, they're great companion books. Um, let's see, what else do we have here in the shelves? We have Danseur, the male in ballet, which was given to me by Jen Goggins and Mandy Kirshner when I was leaving SUNY Purchase. And... um It just sort of has some biographies and pictures of famous men throughout ballet history. Um, Here we have a a huge book about Diaghilev and the Ballet Russe. Um, I think if you want, I'm right now in the middle of Lynn Garfola's not yet released book about Nijinska, which is a really wonderful glimpse into the world of the Ballet Russe, but that won't be available till next year. Um, so I think that's enough, right? I think that was good. That's more than enough to get you started. And I'm at right now, you know, I'm reading facts or feelings, feelings or facts. (laughs) So I hopefully be back next week talking with Russell about, um, the first hundred pages of feelings or facts. And, uh, I'll be able to talk about West Side Story by then. And what else will I have done this week? I'm going to the Nutcracker tomorrow with Stuart. Um, and there you have it. I hope you're all having a wonderful holiday season. My birthday's coming up. Um, oh my, well, I'm not going to say so on the podcast. I was almost, I almost revealed someone's Christmas gift via a story about, um, FedEx. Anyways, I'll tell you, I'll tell you after Christmas. Uh, I love you and I hope you've enjoyed this somewhat mini episode and I'll see you next week. Bye oh.